eerste ervaring. En nu, ladies en gentlemen, uw attention, please. Big decisions have even bigger consequences in the world of marketing leadership, where data informs everything, second chances are rare, and ROI is no longer the only metric that matters. Please join us as we go Inside the Funnel. Hi, Nasser. I see you're taking the ugly sweater thing to new heights today. You, you don't put uh, graffiti on a Monet, my friend. <laughs> wow. Wow. So this is how that this is how this is gonna go today. Welcome to Inside the Funnel, our year end wrap up and thinking about next year. So I guess we made it almost to the end of the year. And if we think about the last couple of weeks this is usually, well, for many people are winding down, but not those who sit inside digital agencies. Um, your team in particular, Jenna, those who operate media for e-commerce brands and so on, this is this is not quite the most wonderful no, year, is no. it? No, Q4 is a nightmare. <laughs> December in Q4 is extra nightmare fuel, yeah. However, the weather outside is frightful. And inside. <laughs> yeah, inside, out, yeah, yes. inside also frightful. <laughs> But but the good news is that we did make it almost to the end of the we year. We did. And quite, quite the year it's been. I've enjoyed some of it with you guys. <laughs> parts. Parts. Parts of it with you guys. <laughs> this part has been fun. Yeah, uh, largely. It sure has been. I wish we had recorded some of the conversations that weren't the podcast recording. They would have made excellent listening. Outtakes. Next time. Maybe we quite, should. Quite possibly... Quite possibly career limited. <laughs> we, we should just be recording all the time. There you go. Yeah, permanent. Yeah. Okay. Definitely career limiting. So if we think about uh, thinking about the next year, I wanted to kind of pull you guys in and, and ask, what are you what are you most excited about? Apart from it not being this year, <laughs> Jenna. That's a that's a good enough thing to be excited about. Um. Well, y'all know me. I'm always the negative Nancy around here. So I mix my excitement with trepidation. And I'll tell you what it's around. It's around all the various changes our good friends Google are making, especially when it comes to the way they're pre presenting information. So, you know, this year we saw them announce the Search on 21 um, announcement. I don't know what other word to call it, but essentially it was an event and they basically talked about how their AI is completely changing the way that people get information from Google. So basically, with Mum, with the new algorithm updates, with everything that's happening, Google is trying, my words, right? Not theirs, my words. Google is trying to build a search engine that will allow people to explore all within their search. So you used to be, you'd go search something, you would click on a list and you would go to the website. Then we got to the point where you would go search something and it might be answered right on the search, right? There's answer boxes, the knowledge graph, etc. Now, Google is pulling up tons and tons and tons of different information. So images, videos, any sort of content that exists is getting indexed. So 
when we think about the changes here, it basically, it just super, super duper reinforces what we've been saying in this podcast all along, that you have to plan around your customer. Stop planning by channel, break down your silos, do all of that stuff, because our platform partners, Google, the biggest one on earth, is breaking down those silos. It's not going to be the kind of thing where, well, my search budget is this, and my shopping budget is this, and my YouTube budget is this. It's getting all mashed up and all mixed up for the benefit of the customer so that they can go to Google and find whatever they need in whatever format it takes. So am I excited? Sort of, because I always like seeing where things go, right? Like that's the cool part of our industry. We get to see it as it comes. But it's also, it's a thing we're going to have to adapt to for sure. How does that, Jenna, balance against mm -hmm. one of the things I have written in my notes here for today is this like reclassification or emerging definition of performance media, right? Yeah. And, you know, what you just said then suggests that everything that is very, you know, bottom of the funnel, action oriented, throw all your money in a big pot and let the machines work it out. But as we're finding increasingly, you know, what clients are expecting when they say performance media um, is, you know, like our friend David Chingy told us uh, in a conversation we were having with him just the other week, Nasser, about sort of, you know, give me leads today and business today, but brand tomorrow, and how all of that is being encapsulated in this definition of performance. And this idea of give it all to me and let me take care of it doesn't really address the other side of that. So I'm one of the things I'm kind of interested to see is this evolution of the definition of performance outcomes and performance media as we look down the barrel of all of these new platforms and the metaverse conversation and NFTs and brand management and all of the, the mm -hmm. cool stuff. How does that, you know, what's that going to do to the types of conversations that we're in? I think, you know, a, we have to stop thinking that things are so separate. Full stop. Brand versus performance media. We have to stop thinking that they are so separate. That's the first major thing here. But I think um, our friends at Forrester are starting to use some really interesting language that I think aligns really well with how we think about it, which is rather than like brand versus performance, it is persuasion and precision. So I think that still applies, right? Where the precision is the closest corollary to performance media and persuasion is the closest corollary to brand media. But you can see how even just changing those words, it's a much more gray area. It's much more of like a sliding scale, right? Because every piece of media should persuade and every piece of media should be as precise as it can be, right? We say all media is performance media, even if it's super top of funnel. So I think that we as especially digital marketers, right? We're not, we're not from traditional agencies ourselves. So as digital marketers, we think everything's performance and it has to be. And I think that's exactly where we're going, right? All media is going to be designed to give user X what they need, mm -hmm. full stop, period. And if that isn't performance, I don't know what is, right? Sure, you might have to get in front of them earlier to make them aware of you, which is awareness media or upper funnel. But at the end of the day, what are you trying to do? Give them what they need. So that's performance. It's interesting. I, I think we've we spend way too much time around each other because none of us shared notes, but we're all going in a similar direction in terms of what we actually prepared mm -hmm. for today. Yeah, of course we are. Um, I've got I've got uh, this 
I read this report from our friends at Forrester, um, and it's been kind of authored primarily by Jay Patasol. And he, I want to read a couple of things here that I think are really interesting in terms of what he's predicting for 2022. Um, so he talks about a new form of creative partner will emerge from the collision of precision and persuasion marketing strategies in 2022. And the performance agency label will disappear in 2022 as agencies pair creative skill sets with media and data expertise. Now, I, I'm, I think that it will begin to erode and the more progressive marketers, for them, it'll disappear. Um, but I'm still always, um, I, I, I still always see these RFPs coming in looking for an SEO or a PPC partner, right? So it, those silos still exist in a lot of places, and rightly so. But one of the interesting things, and, and I've got this report pulled up in front of me uh, that they get into as Forrester. They talk about the fact that automation, so what you were talking about there, Jenna, to a large extent, while critical will only go so far there's going to be continued challenges to agencies yay <laughs> yeah great yay. <laughs> we certainly don't have enough right <laughs> so this idea of commoditization right yep. where where procurement driven mm. rfps and searches end up really commoditizing yeah. the offering um, the trend about insourcing, I want to come back to insourcing. So 44% of CMOs intend to expand in-house teams by moving more marketing in-house over the next 12 months. I'm, I'm curious how that is going to um, get impacted in of itself by this gigantic wave of, um, of resignations or movement that, pe- that the industry is facing and the the scramble for talent. Um, so for a lot of people, maybe in-house isn't as attractive as it was a year or two ago. Um, but what Forrester is saying is that the pendulum will swing back to creativity that delivers a trifecta of accountability, business impact, and differentiation. And here's a direct quote. They're saying, this will result in the production of multi-dimensional creative experience that connect Emotional, functional, and transactional marketing sure. messages. Yes, exactly. That's it. Yes, exactly. Right. That's exactly the blurring that I mean. Every there is no separation anymore, or well, there is right. today. So, but there won't be. To your point about there's still RFPs that are a PPC agency. Like if you're just if you were just a search agency right now, and that's the that's what you did, I would be concerned, right? If you were just the SEO guys, like I think. There needs to be yeah, a bit of. The... I mean, SEO, SEO. Let's leave SEO out of it. But yeah, you but, are getting pigeonholed. Sure. If you're but how SEO frequently is it being sure. encapsulated in a conversation about media, right? It's, yeah, right. It is, and there is sure there yeah. are still people pursuing that as a, uh, a specific discipline with a very specific agenda. But as we know from a out, if you're talking about performance and you want to see results and outcome not considering it as just another vector in an in an integrated strategy that considers everything NASA was just saying is a real miss. And I think as we yes. I think you know, think about another note I have here is about how our clients buying what we do in the wake of ridiculous shifts in the labor market in this space. Mm. The challenges with insourcing, I mean when you're an agency working with, you know, these wonderful brands around the world and you've got all this exotic kind of work to offer and you still have a hard time finding people. How are the, like, where is everybody right now? Where are you? Right. And how is that impacting 
the the value and the cost of the services that are offered and how a client's going to be buying that in response to all of this. I'm very interested to see how that shifts. Um, they're all they're all minting NFTs, Dan. No, for sure, as well they should be. Yeah, everyone. Should no, but be think about that. Like we were just chatting about that when the other day, Jenna. Um, yeah, when we were hanging out and like look at brands like Budweiser and Pepsi mm-hmm. and Playboy mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. all like like crushing it in this sort of emerging space from a, yeah they don't know what they're doing but it's working man, right it ever that's, working? that's the whole point and anybody like, that's peripheral nobody knows right. and you don't nobody knows but you gotta go and there might be a lot of people listening to this now going i had no idea that's because you're not in that sector you're not but if you are exactly. then you're being exposed to these brands in a really positive way and you're having a positive experience and what is their measure for what is their measure for success with that? Is it the value mm. of those tokens as they... No, absolutely not. not. All, right? I guarantee it's you not. Budweiser doesn't care that care. their right. NFT sold for 1.3 either. Right. Like that's not what they're in it for. But they are there and they're learning. Absolutely. They're and it. other yeah. people aren't. Yeah. So guess how much farther ahead they already are, mm-hmm. right? We What was our last episode, guys? The metaverse. Right. What's the metaverse run on? Things like NFTs, right? So... Who's already in there? Who's already looking at it is right. for sure. And if you're the, a search the, shop, the value. if you're a PPC yeah. shop and you're not at least contemplating how that's going to impact the way your budgets are allocated, how performance is measured, how success is sort of rendered at a macro level, then I think you're missing the point. Yeah, maybe not in 2022 do we have to measure right. it that way, but it's, it's sure I coming. I can't wait to mm-hmm. propose that to a really progressive client that's like, super interested in something like what's the next big thing and like doing a pilot project that involves a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And Hey, why don't we talk about, you know, minting a series of something or other that is going to support your brand message. Um, you know, like I, why not? Like, I think that's a really exciting opportunity. I I think it goes beyond innovation for the sake of innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, And this idea of preparation for what's coming. Yes, it's not going to have a huge impact in 22, but but be prepared. Um, One area that I'm actually particularly interested in, and it's it's kind of the merging of automation with uh, with creativity. It's this idea of generative media. Um, So this is this is kind of AI assisted mm-hmm. um uh scaling out of content mm-hmm. of of imagery the creation of imagery the creation and adjustment of video experiences mm-hmm. um there was a really neat example um where this this uh, not for profit malaria must die uh partnered with david beckham and they produced this video where he talks about you know, the impact of malaria and, and how it needs to be addressed and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and there, he speaks nine different languages in this uh, video. And it's other people's voices. I was going to say, does what David happens, Beckham really speak nine languages? The answer is no. I, I don't think David Beckham speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is interesting is how they how they use these nine people's voices and synced it up using AI with with his gestures and his his mouth. So it actually looks like he's um, like he's saying these words. Obviously, the 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 voice doesn't match up with the face. But again, I would argue that David Beckham's voice it, doesn't match up with his no, face. It really no, it does not. No, it does not. Love love him. No, love him. He's great. Love him. But no, it does not. 
Even yeah, yes. Even think about something as we take for granted. We media people take for granted. YouTube's bumper machine is a tool that you can dump any existing video asset that you own, multiple video assets, dump them in here, and it'll chop it up into little six-second high-impact videos that actually make sense. They have the videos don't have to, one doesn't have anything to do with the other necessarily, except that they're from the same brand. But the AI is smart enough to turn that out and give you video. You would think to yourself, if, oh, how do I how do I cut this down? This isn't going to make any sense. Throw it in there, you'll get 20 of them, right? So yes, AI is absolutely a thing we're really dealing with. Yeah, I do think that it it will. You're going to see much more of an impact of this in 22. Um, what I do find interesting about the concept of generative media is that it is create, it's driven by a human being. It's driven by a creative who provides the instructions and parameters and mm -hmm. all of these kinds of things and then reviews and edits after the fact. But it allows for much greater speed and scale um, given the explosion of, of platforms, given how we want to customize and personalize experiences for individuals beyond media even, right, mm -hmm. into into owned properties mm -hmm. and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, creating avatars, images, videos of people that have never existed, uh, but all being driven by mm -hmm. creatives. And it dramatically reduces the cost of entry for brands or the, the cost to innovate for and test for a lot of brands. Mm -hmm. So I, I find that to be an area of, uh, of excitement um, because also it, it this idea of it, being creatively driven or, or utilizing a, a, a human being in this process um, requires two very, like a very different set of skill sets here. Um, yes. You know, it's very much left brain and right brain working together to bring that to life. That's interesting because I think the question is what does a digital marketer look like? And it, right now we know, well, I need somebody to run my paid search. I need somebody to run my social media. And we, we blend those, right? Because it's all paid media. But then when creative is part of that, when content is part of that, right now our media people, creative people, no, <laughs> we don't make ads unless they're text ads for Google, right? So um, that's going to be an interesting thing to see how we ship next to accommodate for that because... Again, and you know what? You, you realize what your example is. It's just another blurring of the lines, mm -hmm. right? So this whole thing that I think we've established the theme. <laughs> no more lines anywhere, basically. Have you ever noticed that everything seems wonderful at Christmas? Uh, in all honesty, spirit, no. I think this idea of of capabilities and and uh, channels converging and you know one of the areas that I find also interesting that you're going to see a lot more of is a lot more of like shoppable content in various social platforms whether it's Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok or what have you um and that brings also other implications right the media serving in terms of getting these in front of the right people the 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 context, the format, the content itself. Um, so I think that there's going to be a lot more of that. And any media plan needs elements of these where there are products um, or even even um, where they're promoting different services or offerings or what have you. Um, 
I think the other uh, consideration there is how do you how do you bring this all together in a cohesive whole, in a cohesive vision? How do you do it in a way that you're testing out without blowing the bank? Um, and I, I think one of the areas that is also interesting is the partnerships that you're seeing, the collaborations that you're seeing that seem to be good shortcuts to the kinds of outcomes that people are uh, looking to do. Like what? Collaborations like what? Well, I think you're seeing a lot of brand collaboration. Oh, so even right, even within individual industries where you've got Nike collaborating with things like Off-White and that kind of stuff, gotcha. right? These are totally different companies. Mm-hmm. And yet they're reaching more diverse audiences as a result of that. But but you're going to start seeing many more of these partnerships and brands should really look to partnerships Um partnerships with influencers and beyond that to reach these wider audiences as well. Yeah, I mean, brands drifting, drafting, what's that thing? Tokyo drifting behind other brands. Don't be out there drafting your cars, you kids. <laughs> God, what am I saying? Drafting. Drifting drafting on... is the word you're looking for. <laughs> Desperately. Whatever. On, yes, it is. Uh, on other brands, power is something interesting. And then you know, certainly with influencers or ambassadors, getting other people's voices into your brand conversation is huge. It can't just always be the brand talking, talking, talking. We are, we are, we are, right? Let's get other people thinking different things about us because it's coming from a different perspective. And that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dan? What are you thinking is uh, is something you're looking forward to or you're predicting is going to be a significant area yeah, we've got of interest a, yeah, in our space. I mean, as everybody listening possibly knows, we do a a pretty comprehensive sort of blog series about predictions and so on, and we're sort of planning all of that out. And that'll be, uh, that'll be coming out uh, in the new year as we as sort of stage all of those topics. But one of the things we've been talking about for sure, and we've already done this topic to death, but, you know, next year is the last full year of this whole third-party cookie uh, world. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. the race is, is on as people sort of push hard to build out their first party data sets. And I mean, how, you know, a lot of what you were just talking about might very well be connected. Partnerships, brand partnerships are second party data relationships. And, you know, finding ways to build out these fully comprehensive, you know, audience 360 profiles that are both, you know, segmented based on, you know, facts and nouns about who the audiences are and cohorted based upon behavior and intention. I think the, the, the smart people are doing that already, as we stated in our previous recordings. You know, the land grab for first-party data is going to be on big time. Um, and we're already talking to some of our partners about how we carve out media dollars to do tests with different KPIs that aren't necessarily you know, merchant oriented, but a more, uh, how do we build database? How do we build audience? How do we get logins up and subscriptions up and, uh, and so on. So I think those types of activities, uh, will become more mainstream next year for sure. And central to being able to empower marketers and power the types of activations that we're talking about here right like we're talking cross-channel we're talking audience centric we're talking about all of these things and if you don't have the customer data at the heart of this you Mm -hmm. can't do any Mm -hmm. of this if you're a cdp company you're probably forecasting a good year next year i would think and there's a lot of movement in that space um it's becoming and i just know just from the conversations that i'm involved in 
you know, two years ago, it was like, explain to me the difference between CDP and DMP. What is that again? I don't mm-hmm. quite get it. And now it's those conversations are nowhere. It's all about, yep, we're on that, or yes, we've got that already, or it's on our uh, it's on our roadmap, and we're talking about how we can help sort of bring that to life. So I think, you know, this understanding that you need to capture every aspect, you know, your clients are shedding data, they're dropping it all over the place. Are you picking it up and curating it and organizing it so that you can do awesome things with it? Um, is is becoming very uh, very mainstream now. And I think that's going to put way more fuel into the things that Jenna needs to do, uh, you know, from a media perspective and even from a strategy point of view, like what is possible changes now, right? Because of the fuel we have to run it. So let's talk a little bit about um, potential disruptions and threats that we're anticipating next year. Um, we talked, we touched very briefly on the scramble for talent. Mm-hmm. Do we think it's going to get better or, or worse next year? <laughs> so it'll get better. Um, but I do think we will see a lot fewer people choosing agency and staying agency because of the in-housing that is happening and I think will continue to happen. So I've always said being like you gentlemen, dinosaurs in our industry, right? We've been around since it began. The in-house conversation is a pendulum. Everybody wants to in-house, then nobody wants to in-house, then everybody wants to in-house, then nobody wants to in-house. I think we're back to everybody wants to. Um, So I do think that talent will have different opportunities um, from agency to, to client side. And especially also those that are technology technologically inclined platform side, right? With all this cool stuff that's happening. But the really interesting thing is, I I don't know at what point the models change enough. And by that, I mean, we're sitting here saying, you have to think differently. You have to break down barriers. You have to have people that think can, that can think creatively plus analytically, right? Nobody has been trained in that way, and certainly brand organizations are not set up in that way. Not even close. We've seen that time and time again that the silos are fierce, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really incumbent on the smart marketers, agencies, brands, everybody, to hire those people who can do that and who do think that way. Uh, and to really let those people shine. And it's going to be a different thing, right? It's, we, we talk all the time about what's it going to mean when we, we have to hire creators. And by creators, we don't necessarily mean like content creators, but like people creating things for the metaverse. We, where do they sit? Who do they belong to? What team are they a part of, right? And so we're going to have to think differently about teams and roles and who does what. And that's going to be really interesting because nobody went to school for that, Right. In, in one way, we're kind of back to the spot we were when we started. Nobody knew how any of this worked, right? If, remember how fun that was? Because we were like the wizards mm. and like we sort of were figuring it out as we went. This is kind of that again. Yeah. And, right? and back to the in-house. Listen, I'm all for, I think most organizations should have several people internally that own what we do as a core sort of asset it's too critical to just you know acquiesce responsibility to a third party across the board but i find that the the value that we're bringing a lot 
more recently is this sort of consultative value. Yes. How how can any organization honestly ask you, how can they hope to get their head around what the hell is going on? We have how many people, 400 people or more, right. and we're right. constantly getting in rooms saying, what's this? What's going on here? What's going on there? If you think that you and your five people <laughs> in your digital marketing group and one guy right. that used to work at so-and-so and he's like you're out to lunch just out to lunch that if you think you can do it completely independently without tapping into a broader set of For resources sure. that are going to be way more exposed to the nuances and again to your point we've been around forever we've you know we we have a innate understanding of the inner workings of things but man i forget how many times a week i'm talking to people where i'm like explain that to me again or mm -hmm. how does that work oh man i haven't heard about mm -hmm. that tell me again about mm -hmm. that and like this is what i do all day every day so if it's not and exactly. you think you can then you should probably think again I think between the in-housing trend, the the rush for talent in terms of technical functional talent, as well as the um, the automation side of things, the combination of those things really changes the function of an agency mm -hmm. and the perception of what that function needs to be. Now, I think if if you think back to the core reason why you hire an agency, they have exposure to more industries and spaces which instantly gives them access to better ideas or even newer ideas and they have the capability to execute and deliver faster if an agency can't do those one of those two things or a combination of those two things then they they shouldn't be your agency quite mm -hmm. simply um, if they're not the ones coming to you and challenging you or bringing you the ideas they shouldn't be your agency if they have a function that you can deliver faster in-house then you should do that in-house because then you're all you're doing is propping up an external entity's bureaucracy while not building any institutional knowledge. So I do think that the function does change. Um, and that isn't to say that the technical functions don't belong in an agency, actually quite the opposite. I think that an agency is exactly the right place to marry up the IQ with the EQ. It's a place to learn a lot of those disciplines that perhaps don't come naturally to a lot of mm -hmm. uh, technically inclined mm -hmm. individuals. And that frankly, based on what we're talking about, are likely to be the, that the combination of mm -hmm. those two things are really what are going to make for successful careers in the future. So I, I think those are the interesting areas when we think about that, that combination. And actually one thing that I'm seeing more and more inside of organizations, and this is less a digital function and more about a, an operating philosophy, is people talking about the concept of design thinking. So for those who aren't familiar with it, design thinking, it's a practice for solving problems through creativity. And it encourages idea divergence and then convergence to find solutions, then uses data, real-world data, um, to rapidly iterate and put things into market. So if you will, you know, it, it's almost like an agile, but, but for business. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, and for creativity and so on. And I see it as, I'm, I'm seeing it pop up in interesting places in a lot of organizations 
um, as well as in some agencies. And I know that for us, it, it's a central, you know, it's, it's increasingly important. Um, but, but it is one that I think directly addresses the collision and confusion of what we're talking about emerging right now and into 22 as a good way of kind of getting your heads around it and determining what are the priorities, what are the impacts, and getting to the answer quickly. You know, uh, organizations don't have six months to fiddle around and, and try to figure out what the plan is before they actually start implementing. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there are, there are brands out there that I know that just in the recent probably two years are like, yay, we've adopted Agile. But Agile isn't always the right answer either, right? Like that didn't come out of a marketing function. That didn't come out of, you know, the types of work that we do all day long that came out of development. And so the fact that two years ago they were like, ooh, we're Agile now. Well, a, maybe that, maybe that was never the right thing for you to do. But B, if they only got there one to two years ago, how are they ever going to swap over to design thinking, right? So again, it is this, the thing that I think is the underpinning of all of this stuff, and especially with design thinking, is speed. And you have to be set up to move at speed. You can't just assume that your organization can do it because you want to. You actually have to set yourself up to move at speed. Mm -hmm. So that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. And that is a function that agencies are better designed to deliver on. And if they aren't, because, you know, they're a gigantic Holtco, then (laughs) that's a problem, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, On that, I actually have a, a final point, not to go back to the whole, you know, clients and organizations and in-house versus agency. But I did want to ask uh, one, my final point here to you guys mainly, do you see an evolution or a change in the way big organizations are buying and shopping for these types of services? Like when you think about the RFP spectrum and how we walk in headlong into these ones and it's a 200 question structured thing and you must follow this answer and answer every one of these questions, most of which feel absolutely recursive. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we see these organizations, same value, same everything else, and they approach it like an agile user story where they say, we are an organization rooted in X, we have these types of resources and we're looking to do Y. Come and tell us how you're going to help us do that. And they leave it more open-ended to be able to be more flexible. Like, And, you know, we lament the, the challenges with that first version where it's like, you know, we have to basically tell these people what it is they want. And then when we have the right opportunity, pivot them to what we think they might need. Um, and mm. do we see that evolving uh, or getting better in the main or is it still split down the middle? I I think that it's it's split and where and in fact where organizations are procurement driven it's even worse mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because because procurement procurement within large organizations has been taking a bigger role than has been traditionally the case and in these types of functions I mean I can recall one RFP um, for an organization where we put in all of the answers as they were asked 
Um, and then we didn't make it through to the next uh, next phase. And the reason, the feedback that was given was that we didn't answer, go beyond the individual questions. And there were like hundreds of individual mm -hmm. questions. And we said, but hold on a second. If you read it in its entirety, then you could see that the questions were answered. They were like, yeah, but these three questions are being asked by this person. These three questions are being asked by this person. And they're never going to, we're not going to share these with, with anybody in its entirety and that is symptomatic yep. of a broken organization yep. like deeply broken because the implication then from our perspective from an agency perspective is okay so i basically have to repeat myself 200 times in an excel document no less yeah. like how's that for creativity <laughs> yeah i i do not think there are many organizations moving toward the good way yet dan i would be I would pee my pants with happiness if I got an RFP that said, "Here's who we are. Here's what we want. Come talk to us." Right. I have never. I've never seen. And such isn't a thing. it interesting that that's not <laughs> like, like a guiding principles? You know, we hear the the ten things that just matter in our organization, and we're trying to. We're here and we're trying to get there. Like, I, I, I it's fascinating you know to me that that's of... not done more. Do you know why I think it isn't? Why is that? I, because very few brands think of agencies as their true, true, true partners. You would only do that if you trusted that agency completely. Yeah. Right? And and, and why do you think that's the case then, Jenna? Uh, in many instances, I suppose some of them have been burned, right? Like there are agencies that do the bad thing often. Um, and that becomes an institutionalized vision of agencies. But honestly, I believe it's because they themselves are not set up that way. If they were, that's how they'd For ask sure. us the questions. Yeah. But and especially not, on the so media, <laughs> on the digital media or performance media front. I mean, if you know, brand strategy is probably a little closer to what we're talking about here. It's like, you know, tell us about our mm -hmm. vision for the future. And um, here's how we want to be perceived. But when it comes to we have this amount of money to spend on acquiring these measurable goals help us understand how we should dissect it, how we should be categorizing it. Yeah. You know, how much is national, how much is local, how much is upper funnel, how much is lower, right? Yeah. And uh, rather than being back to the earlier conversation we were having about like, I have my PPC agency and they do this and then I have, and then yeah, it gets exactly. this, it's very structured and the, the opportunity to actually be integrated is just missed completely. And the opportunity yeah. to make a selection of an agency based on the things that might matter to your point about EQ and IQ. How do, how do these people vibe with our culture? How do we like, do they think the same way we do at a macro level, as opposed to, can they answer a 300 question spreadsheet effectively? Right. So I always, uh, I think long so, and hard about that as we get these things that come across the bow, you know? So with that, why don't I, why don't we leave it with one final thought around, um, why we're excited for next year. Jenna, why don't you kick us off? What excites you coming into the new year? I am excited because 2022 can't possibly be 2021 or 2020 ever again. <laughs> I am excited at possibility. And I am, contrary to my natural state, feeling pretty optimistic 
that there's going to be cool things that happen. We're going to be on the cutting edge of them. We're going to be learning and exploring new areas in a way that gets everybody excited. It's genuinely new stuff coming down the mm-hmm. pike, and we're going to be there to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Dan? Uh, I, well, I mean, personally, we're, we're working on some pretty exciting stuff in, inside the business right now. And next year, uh, we're going to see some really interesting developments uh, that we kind of have on the uh, on the simmer right now in terms of uh, data and analytics and automated insight generation um, and and those sorts of things. So the you know the really switched on progressive clients that we're working with that have these assets and what we're going to be able to do with them and how that's going to play back into you know Jen and her team and what what they're going to be able to do with with those uh, with those findings. I'm very excited to see how that's going to really level things up uh, and I think that that's just a a bit of a shift industry-wide as everyone's sort of really pushing in that direction and we're right in the middle of that so i'm very excited about it and for me i think what excites me the most is that as we emerge from all of this chaos that we've been operating in um i always go back to that old adage that chaos is not a pit chaos is a ladder by the way a game of thrones adage is now an old adage <laughs> right so yeah. <laughs> And with that, we'd like to round out our year and thank you, the listener, for joining us on this journey in 2021. And we're excited to join with you and collaborate with you in 2022. We wish you a very happy holidays. Stay safe. Stay tuned in. And thank you from Jenna Watson, Dan Temby, and myself, Nasser Salul, here at Inside the Funnel. You've been listening to Inside the Funnel with Jenna Watson, Dan Temby, and Nasser Salul. Until next time, don't forget to like, subscribe, and connect with the AC wherever you see us online.